Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Burning Eye podcast. I'm your host, Bridget Hart. Apologies for the large gap between our last episode and today's. Um, Hope you have all been keeping well, though. Happy New Year, Christmas, winter, all that jazz. On today's episode, we're going to be joined by the absolutely phenomenal Layla Josephine. Layla Josephine is a poet, film and theatre maker originally from Glasgow. In 2014, Layla won the Hammer and Tongue UK National Slam Championship. Her solo theatre shows have taken the UK by storm. Hopeless was runner-up for the Saboteur Best Spoken Word show in 2018. And Daddy Drag won the Autopsy Award 2019, which celebrates artists making groundbreaking work in Scotland. Layla's short film Groom was nominated for a Scottish BAFTA in 2022. And her poem, Good With Our Hands, was included in the Scottish Poetry Library's Best Scottish Poems of 2020. She has been included in anthologies such as the Edwin Morgan Sanitarian Collection, Untitled Three and Choice Words, Writers on Abortion, alongside the likes of Margaret Atwood, Audre Lorde and Gloria Steinem. Layla loves ABBA, dogs and talking to her houseplants and being by the sea. Layla's debut poetry collection in public, in private, was released with us in the winter 2022 and is described here by Holly McNish as beautiful, uplifting, gutting. I read it from start to finish without a breath. Now, I hope you're sitting comfortably or you're on a nice walk with some nice views at the moment while you listen um, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, Layla. Hi, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. It's sunny in Glasgow today, so buzzing about that. Oh, a rare occurrence at the moment. Very rare. It's been like raining. It feels like it's rained every day since Christmas. Oh, that's um, and it's cold rain up there as well, isn't it? Yeah, and horizontal usually. <laughs> I feel like um, whenever I go to Glasgow, the buildings are the same colour as the sky. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens a lot yeah everywhere in Scotland but I think Glasgow is like particularly bad because it's surrounded by mountains it's in a valley so I think we get like 230 days of rain a year it's like one of the rainiest places in the UK um but there must be some pull to it if you're still there and you want to be there I mean, it's a great city in terms of, you know, the arts and the, like, culture here is amazing. And it's kind of got that edge to it. It still feels like there's areas that are really kind of untouched. Um, and it's got, like, a lot of green spaces. It's got some amazing buildings. I think I I have a personal hatred for it because of the weather, but also because it's, like, my hometown. So, like, everywhere you go, you, like, see people you know, which I hate. You can't sleep with someone without them having slept with your friend or like (laughs) yeah I know that feeling (laughs) like there's just like it's one of those things that you go into a pub and you're like oh and I think that that's the thing that's really hard about um life is that people's memory of you always stays the same whereas you're always changing right so like they think you're your old version of yourself and I probably think that about other people as well but that's the thing about writing as well it's so permanent like you change so much as a writer but your poems stay the same which yeah really- uh yeah which is um in like good as well because today we're going to be talking about your debut poetry collection um in public in private which it is that permanent thing and I remember us you know in that sort of towards the end of the process of putting the book together we had that conversation about 
oh god it's permanent yeah that sort of realization that you can't change it once it's been you know put out into the world in that way and how that can be yeah quite an anxiety for a lot of writers and things but you did it you know it's out of the world (laughs) and then I mean I've already sent Clive notes to make changes that's how unhappy I am with the permanent nature of writing um but yeah it's, it's so different from performance because there's an element of control in performance like obviously you don't have full control because the audience will always take away what they will from your from your work but I think you feel like you can manipulate maybe in a more direct way whereas on the page it really does feel like you have to let go of a lot of control um apart from you do so much editing you have so much time to edit um whereas in performance you really don't you just you know it, if you're having a bad day it's not going to work so I mean there's pluses and there's pros and cons to both but definitely the page was a really new challenge for me what made you decide to do a book in the first place well I mean I've been performing spoken word for 10 years so it was kind of that the point was like god do it now um and I I think like I had been doing lots of kind of reading and lots of like more work um and just felt like I was like maybe re- more ready for it than I had ever been and I think COVID also allowed me to like go inside and inward a little bit more as well um and just to read more and I think reading more really allowed me to see that there was like so many different genres of page poetry and not just you know the stuff that we're taught in school or the stuff that I'm told that I should like so that really allowed me to see that potentially the, there was space for me in, in that. Yeah, I really like the sort of anarchy of spoken word on the page. Obviously, mm. I've worked with a lot of you poets that come from that performance element that the page is a completely alien sort of place to be. But because you because there isn't that sort of formal training of, of this is a, a type of form or anything, I feel like so many of you, you, you just make up forms for the page to yeah. determine it, like based on how you perform that poem. And I... I love that like conversation between that live and that putting it down and the shape of it on the page and how you move across. You've got that poem um, between the woman and the chorus. And I mm. love the way that it moves across the page in that way. So you can, it's almost like a binaural beat type thing. You've got one in one ear and, and one in the other. And you can kind of hear that when you're reading it as well. Um, and yeah. yeah. That originally was a spoken word piece um, and I just read it all out in the first person and it was kind of, it's called The Edge of Sanity and it is about losing your mind pretty much. So it made sense that I had, like I kind of did it in different voices when I was performing. So it kind of felt like there was a few voices, but then obviously when I put it on the page, it just looks like a complete mess. So I had to find a way of separate separating it and um Kim my mentor was really good with that she was like this is a mess (laughs) you need to sort it out and she was like you know have you ever thought because she she could see immediately she was like oh it feels like a really performative piece like how could you play with that idea that it's a performance and there's multiple voices and one of my favorite um favorite plays is uh, Medea by Liz Lockhead and she has this chorus within it um, and that was something that I was really inspired by so that's how I kind of came to making a chorus within it and the chorus is kind of like my my worst judgment I think of myself yeah 
And you briefly mentioned there about working with a mentor for your collection, which is something that more and more people are, are sort of seeking out and, and doing. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your experience of, of working with a mentor and how you felt like that went or whether you feel like you could have achieved that by yourself or how was the process for you of working with somebody on your poems? Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Like, so I was doing Kim Adonisio's classes online um, just after COVID and really, really got a lot out of it. Um, and then I applied for money from Creative Scotland to do that more. Um, I asked Kim if she'd be up for it. So we would meet every couple of weeks. I would send her three poems and she would give me feedback and we'd do a session. Um, and it was really good. Like, I'm neurodivergent, like, I'm dyslexic, um, and I really learn through talking, and I really get ideas through talking, and I have a lot of demons when it comes to um, academia and, and writing, so it was so good for me to get out of my head, um, and also to not be precious, because I think, you know, when somebody else is in the room, someone that you really respect, it really helps you make those cuts, and really helps you, like, realize that editing is like the most fundamental part of the the writing process and actually you know rather than seeing feedback as a as a negative thing of someone being critical of you of it, seeing it as an invitation to expand and open in a different way and for the poem to open in a different way and you know it was really great because you know by the end of our relate our end of our relationship I hope we still have a relationship but by the end of our process you know, I was getting much better at saying, oh, that's that's Kim's opinion, but I don't have to take it. Whereas at the start, I was very much like, well, you know, she's one of the best living poets that's alive and like all of this kind of stuff and just listening to everything she said. But then actually trusting my own instinct with my own poetry was something that came out like quite slowly. And, and I think that that only could happen because I really trusted Kim to hold that. And, you know, the... I think then the most important thing is about a mentor and also um, any sort of feedback that you're getting is that not only do you trust the person's work, so you think that they're a good poet and they're a good writer, because to be a good writer doesn't mean you're a good teacher or a good mentor, because some people don't know how to give notes and some people really put full stops and really put blocks up when really about, I always say, feed forward, don't feed back. So like, how do you open up people rather than close them and for me it's all always about asking questions what did you want what did you want to achieve what do you want the reader to think about you know how, how it made you feel rather than like what you think they should do and Kim was really good at that um and I learned a lot about giving feedback from her as well actually yeah, I'm nodding furiously along there. Not that anyone can hear that, but I'm nodding <laughs> furiously about that. Yeah, I obviously I, I do um I mentor for people and what you're saying about building people's confidence in their own work so that they can recognise whether like actually that that's purposeful and I want to keep that in rather than just kind of nodding and taking everything on board and going, Okay, yeah, I'll just change the whole thing. Because uh, the thing with mentorship as well is that that, that mentor is their opinion as well. Yeah. So it's I'm always very much like this is my opinion you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to you know and and then by the end it's just becomes like a collaboration of it yeah. um which is such a beautiful progression of going through that mentorship and yeah I mean you can see it in the book as well like you know as we were going along the process with it the the careful considerations the changes that you made as you went along you put so much um attention to detail and and um 
consideration into your book. And I, you know, that's a really good thing, I think, because sometimes people can get to the end of the process and just be like, oh, I just, whatever, fuck it, yeah. it's fine, you know. Um, it's a fault of mine I think is like I think it makes me a really good poet but it makes me a really perfectionist this like attention to detail for sure and just like every little everything like everything matters so much but actually I do think that I need to let go slightly but it is that thing again it's that wanting to control and I think artists are like that right we yeah the whole idea is that you want to control what people take away from your art mm. but actually it's like you're always going to fail yeah one of the things I say to a lot of poets that I work with is that you should trust your reader because it's a you know it's um it's an exchange that you're having with the reader and the reader will take what they want from your poem so you can in, you can put as much intention as you like in a poem but a reader might completely miss that intention and be like oh it's about this or I read this based on my experience so really there's you know that anarchy coming in again of like well you know it might not matter mate <laughs> And I think, and I think that's the thing. I think that that like that was something I explored in one of my poems, Out of Reach, is that I kind of got obsessed with this idea of like whether you are having a dance with the reader, like it, whether because you're not in the same timeline. So when you're writing it, and when the some somebody is reading it, you're in completely different time timelines. Is that what you call it? Like different yeah. dimensions almost. Um. Well, I mean, that's if you believe that time is linear, but that's a whole different <laughs> But, you know, like, what is that relationship? And and is that, does that exist, you know? Or is it actually the readers having an experience with themselves and actually you're just providing an invitation? Um, and that's something that I find really lonely about a writer is that actually you're not participating in that moment of connection because you've yeah. kind of given it away. Um, and that was something I was like really interested in because obviously coming from performance background, I'm constantly really active in that exchange. Like I am, I am not only feeling the connection, but I am um, hosting it almost. Whereas with the book, I'm hosting it, but I'm not present. It's like having a dinner party, but you're not there. Do you know what I mean? It's like you make the meal, you set everyone down and then you leave. And I think that that's a really lonely thing as a writer is that you have, you know, but then again, I suppose you're having that experience with yourself and you're writing it as well. Um, but I do miss that that real intense connection you get from performing. So that's why it was so good to, you know, be like on the road and like performing in lots of different cities as well because they've got that little kick, you know. Yeah, and that sort of, you know, I was going to ask you about that, that post-pandemic spoken word tour like how like how did that compare to pre like pre-pandemic tour almost you know was there did you notice a lot of difference well I'd never I'd never done anything on that scale before you know I'd done like 15 shows like in a space of like a, maybe two months and I'd never done anything on that scale before so I, I couldn't really tell you the difference but it felt amazing like it felt like like even some of the gigs, like my gig in Leeds, there was like seven people there and two of them were the guest performers. But like, it was just like, it was amazing. It was so fun. And it's like, I think just being in the room with people is so nice. And just like, I think there's something about performing a few times in a row, you really get into the swing of it and you really are just able to be really present in the moment. And I absolutely loved that. And I just, more than anything, it felt like, 
And I think that that's because I've done a lot of work on myself as well, like over the last few years, but like, what a privilege, like, honestly, what a privilege, like to be able to like go to a city, connect with people, number one is amazing. Number two, to be learning about a city through their poetry is so cool. And also just to be like, having someone listen to you is just also beautiful as well. So all of those things just felt like, I just felt so lucky in those moments and I mean it was a graft and obviously it's like tough with money and all of that kind of stuff but for me it was just like oh this is amazing and and I really I really wish there was more infrastructure in the UK and Ireland to help other people do it you know that there was more of a set route on how you can do things like that um because at the moment it's just like who you know really yeah I feel like it's definitely been like that for a little while and then a lot of the things that so when you know hammer and tongue was like a bigger thing and like people would do the hammer and tongue tour or yeah. things like that like a lot of that has kind of fallen away yeah. um and it would be great scotland's really bad at the moment like we don't really have any we don't have many feature paid sets in scotland mm. anymore a lot of our nights have shut down it was much easier for me to get gigs in england than it was to get in scotland which i think is just really sad I do you know what I'm missing? I'm missing the small little open mics in the upstairs of pubs. Yeah. Because Bristol used to have loads of them and it just feels like they've all gone and they're all all that we do have left is sort of, yeah, some bigger ones that the sort of the bigger poets come through, which is really great. But sometimes I just I miss a little backroom pub open yeah. mic you know local people doing poems and we we still have quite a few of those actually but I just I think that now there's less reason for me to, I think like if I had new poems that I wanted to try that would be kind of where I would go but because I've obviously been working on this book for however long my whole life um <laughs> I uh, haven't really been to them but I also think there's like generations right so mm. like there'll be a generation of like open mic nights in Glasgow that I'm not aware of and they'll have no idea who I am and I think that that's really amazing because it's like it takes a life of its own like there's generations of poets that are coming through that you know don't you know yeah. there's not like the same hierarchy in yeah. a way that's what that's, that's what I've always loved about the spoken word scene is there's no rules you can no. do it wherever like I started doing it in the punk scene and then started doing it in the in the sort of poetry world and stuff and I you know I go to sort of drag cabaret shows and like dancehall stuff and I see like poets getting up in drag and like doing a whole drag performance and doing the spoken word thing at the same time and I'm like this is this is the future of spoken word this is amazing and it's so good and it has so many elements to it and it's not just your standard I'm standing in front of a microphone doing a poem about this like we're all invited into that person's soul that mind you know the creation of that um so it's really exciting to see yeah, younger people that have come up through the pandemic who hadn't had access to that community and are just like, well, I'll just do it in this one instead. And like, I love that autonomy that people have. And I think it's just brilliant. And that's where all of the differences come in and we should be celebrating those differences. And yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous to see. And sort of the queer poetry scene as well, like really taking off and nurturing and stuff. But like, like you say, like it would be great to have more of a, infrastructure for touring artists and mm. um yeah but maybe one that didn't rely so heavily on arts council funding as well would be great you know yeah. um I know that in like Europe and Germany they have like 
exceptional funding for like touring artists and things like that and I'm like where's ours come on Tory Britain where's ours <laughs> I think we're a lot I think we're just moving further and further away from it to be honest yeah. and I think that that's the thing is that you really have to have like a saleable you need to sell tickets like you you have to like be different and you have to do something that will entertain and bring in the audience like yeah. that's kind of where we're at at the moment I think yeah and I think that pool is getting smaller and smaller because we're not having so much of the integration of slams and things people coming up in that way you know I used to know everybody that was coming up through the slam scene and and now I don't know anybody <laughs> yeah yeah but you know there's always so um in public in private when I first read that I thought about the um Victorian Britain <laughs> <laughs> the the public sphere and the and the private sphere you know one for the man one for the woman da, 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 da. um but the book is um cut into three sections and then you have in public and private poems at the beginning of of each section talk us a little bit through that and and where the idea of that came from oh, I'm trying to remember now <laughs> what was my idea um so I was really interested because I'd always like worked very autobiographically and because I'd always like all my work had had this element of like secret telling to it um I was really interested in what that meant and what my desire was for that um and I think I came to the conclusion that it was for connection mm. and it was for me to feel less alone in my experience and I what I realized is um you know I would it would feel like there was shame diluted when that experience was shared between uh, audience and me. So I was really interested in that. And I think I went through a phase, like I made my show at the Fringe Daddy Drag, which was really, really personal about my dad. Um, it wasn't a spoken word show, it was a drag show, but it it really it really put me on the edge of something. It made me very, like I had a very tough time. My mental health was really bad. My physical health was really bad. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what is this? urge to want to share inwards and is it healthy and actually sometimes it makes you feel more alone because when you're making art you're making a very very highly edited version of life mm. and I think that that you're trying to connect but actually the connection is through something that can never totally capture the feeling of what you're trying to do so that can actually make you feel so much more isolated so there my 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 question was you know like what's the public life and what's the private life and actually can those ever actually be true you know can can I ever ever share what's happening inside me probably not um and that is there's a real loneliness to that and I think that that is what's throughout the book is this longing there's lots of longing in the in the book to to be understood and to to connect and I think sometimes it falls short um, so that was kind of what I was exploring and you know some of the poems are just like previous poems that um, had that element of like you know whether they were about sex or sexuality or you know um, secrecy or family secrets or whatever and then the other half was this um, these kind of public um, political outward rants and just to like lay them side by side and let the audience kind of um, explore them and read through them so that was kind of where it came from I think. And yeah. that short answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like that, and I, I think sometimes you need that anchoring loose mm. theme with a full collection. Pamphlets are so much easier. They're like you know twenty poems. Mm. They're a lot. You know, I'm a pamphlet person, so I'm like mostly because I'm too much of a coward to do a full collection. 
<laughs> well, that's a lot of work, isn't it? But I like that it is like, yeah, a sort of umbrella theme for a lot of it. And again, that like, the, uh, you know, harking back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, privately reading a book and then publicly watching someone perform that work and how that is a, a changing dynamic all of the time. And, you know, we like to call it the live version, and the album version. And so audiences get both. Um you know, which is often what we say to people, we're like, you don't need to edit the poems anymore because you could just change it with the live version. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was really well. It's good. Um, yes. And it was great to have you part of last year's cohort as well and to release it at the end of the year. I thought it was lovely. We um a real good end to what was just a really packed year of some great poetry that we did. Um and I remember when you came through on the open submissions and both Clive and I were like fangirling really hard like oh my god Lena Josephine has applied to us ah! yeah it felt, um, like a really na- it felt like a really natural place for the first collection for sure because of that kind of performance element I've came from yeah and you know I think having a book now you've you've um correlated all of that from the last 10 years and now you've got the next 10 years of Layla Josephine and writing and how that develops and I think it's nice to be able to almost close the book on yeah. on 10 years of material and be like, cool, what are we going to do? What are we going to do next? Yeah. I definitely feel like a little bit of a, a break from poetry writing, for mm. sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so we're now at the uh, end of our episode. Um, so I just wondered if you would like to treat us to a poem from the book. You can do whatever you're feeling like today, whatever you're in the mood for. I think because we've talked a lot about that kind of element of what it means to write and try and connect, I think I will do Out of Reach, Great. which I stole the title from Gabrielle. No regrets. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that I, I know that, I'm going to be like, Na-na. it's going to be it, in my head all day. <laughs> Clive knows it had like five different titles, and this is <laughs> Um, so yeah it's kind of about that wanting to connect and wondering if poetry can time travel and connect through through um, through the sphere of life and it's called out of reach I have an urge to reach out and grab the stranger's hand at the next table maybe it's the indie playlist that's playing in this cafe or how the trees from the park cut the light that skims the table or that I'm really hungover and I miss you I have an urge to fill my house with plants so I'm not the only breathing thing. I have the urge to shave my head so more people ask me, why do you have a shaved head? I have the urge to become TikTok famous so I write a poem instead. Because a poem is essentially a classy version of a social media post, right? Reader, are you here with me? Can you give me a sign? Does a poem have a skin you can peel? Are we dancing together inside it? If you could grab my hand, would you? Or are we always just out of reach? A page thin distance, a world away, the poem always hovering at the doorway of itself. A modified architecture of reality, carefully edited, a substandard shadow of what I'm trying to show you because the way this afternoon light hits the table is making me feel so lonely. The way it pirouettes just to break itself into pieces makes me think that maybe the light is lonely too. So I'll keep trying. Reader, I'll go on. 
when we're in lockdown, I was like, have a clap. You're starved of clapping. So now that's just what I do all the time. Um, gorgeous. I love that. Um, and yeah, that the sort of, the, yeah, I'm definitely feeling that um, heart aching loneliness of the light oh. on the table. Ooh, we're such poets. Oh. Maybe the light is lonely. Oh. That poem actually felt like a real group effort. Like, I, I really like, I sat with it for a really long time and it, and the ending, it had so many different forms and it had so many different people's advice with it and just felt like a real, felt like a real, I don't know, like in the book, it just, it felt like it was like really important and like it was a really late addition to the collection. And it was just like, I was, I, I suppose I was trying to sum up a lot of the themes. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, Leila, it's been so nice to talk to you today. Um, do you have any gigs coming up or any appearances? Yes, so I'm at Paisley Book Festival on the 17th of February and then Bear Festival on the 18th of February. And then there's some more coming up in the year that I can't remember off the top of my head. Amazing. Well, if you're... Really has everything, so... If you're listening at home and you haven't yet managed to catch Leila Josephine, um, do visit her website um where she has tour dates and videos and links and you can buy the book and da 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 um as we always say please buy books directly from the artists themselves because that's how they make the most money um she might even sign it for you you know, might, you know. yeah for sure if you want a signed copy just put a wee note in your purchase yeah great um thank you so much for having a chat with me today it was really nice to see Thanks you for yay um and i'll see you in february yay. bye <laughs>